Welcome, ladies, to the Real Estate Investor Show, providing inspiration, strategies, and insight to empower women investors to live balanced and financially free lives. Now, here are your co-hosts, Liz and Andressa. Welcome back, ladies. This is Liz. And this is Andressa. Welcome back to the Real Estate Investor Show, where we are all about empowering women to live a financially free and balanced life, right? We do that in so many different ways. And that's what we stand for. That's what we envision for women globally to do, right, Andressa? Absolutely. Every single day when we wake up. <laughs> and then go to bed. <laughs> Thinking about it. Liz always receives some random messages from me because sometimes it's at night, sometimes it's in the morning. And I try to do my best to send texts after 9 a.m. Otherwise, at 5 a.m., she will be receiving something that just pop in my head as an idea for us to implement. I know. I hear you. And you know, Andressa, this is good news. The ideas have been flowing for me this week. Love it. Yeah. So I, I have a whole list of things to share. <laughs> but I'm putting them in a place, not so not really crazy. Because, But I feel like this energy of ideas flowing. Interest rates are sky high in 2023. And buying a rental property means you could get stuck with an 8, 9, or 10% mortgage rate. But what about a 2.99% rate with rent to retirement? Rent to Retirement has 2.99% seller financing available on turnkey properties. You heard that right. That's a seller financed 2.99% interest rate with an average cash flow of over $900 per month. Plus, they've got options where you can put as little as 5% down with no PMI. As the nation's leading turnkey investment company, Rent to Retirement helps investors build headache-free, high cash flow rental portfolios. And since their properties are fully turnkey, newly built or renovated, leased and managed, anyone can invest, even those who aren't into landlording. So what are you waiting for? This 2.99% rate deal won't last long. To learn more, visit renttoretirement.com. That's renttoretirement.com. Or text REI to 33777. Again, text REI to 33777. Hey guys, it's Liz. Before we get into the episode, I wanted to remind you that time is running out and you have four weeks left to get your ticket to InvestorCon 2024, the number one premier conference for women in real estate. It's happening from June 2nd to 4th in Austin, Texas. To learn more and to get your tickets, visit investhercon.com today and use the code 100 podcast to get $100 off your ticket. That's investher, H-E-R, con.com and use the promo code 100 podcast to get $100 off your ticket. Sandia, thank you so much for being on our show. We just wanted to quickly welcome you to our show. You have such a wealth of experience and knowledge and, and we're so excited to jump into your story and all the great things you're up to here. But thank you so much for being here and, and, and sharing your journey with us and our community. It is such an honor to be here. I have watched your podcast and your website and Facebook group and everything else. So I'm very excited to be here and hopefully inspire some women because if I could do it, I believe anyone can. Very cool. And that, that's what we're up to. And, you know, we always like to kind of kick the episode off with just a, a very quick tip, a very quick something for, for you ladies listening and, and whether you're doing other things, multitasking uh, while you're listening to this. So we are nearing the end of 2021, not telling anyone that something they don't know. Everyone's looking at the calendar and feeling the push till the end of the year. Right, Andressa? Yeah. So 
so many times people, and I said this on our, my run with Liz and which by the way, every Monday I share a quick tip called run with Liz. I'm not technically running as I'm giving the tip, that, <laughs> but I'm, I run very like, I know maybe I should do that. One week. <laughs> maybe I should do that one week while I'm literally running oh and I'll have like a selfie stick, but, um, I run and then I share a tip. So kind of, you know, you, you see me all glamored up. No, I'm joking. I'm all sweaty and gross, but here's what I shared. And I want to just reiterate this and then share, give a quick tip on how to do this. So everyone looking for deals right now can get distracted holidays, just there's parent-teacher conferences, like make the list of personal professional things happening literally in the next six to eight weeks. And if you want to find a deal before the end of the year, this is probably the best time to do so, in my opinion. People are distracted. People are busy. And this is when most people take their foot off the gas. In my opinion, this is when, if you're looking for a deal by the end of the year, this is when you should be starting to like put your foot down on the gas, if you will, drive a little faster bad car analogy, but you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So here's how you can do that. One of, um, you know, I wanted to uh, uh, share a little bit about Avery Carl. She just put out a great book about short-term rentals and um, it's uh, published by Bigger Pockets. If you have not heard, it's called Short-Term Rental, Long-Term Wealth, Your Guide to Analyzing, Buying and Managing Vacation Rental Properties, sold by Bigger Pockets. But I want you to, I want you to check out her website. It's www.theshorttermshop.com. Why I'm sharing this with all of you, because vacation rentals, short-term rentals is a goal for many of us. And she's got agents in all the... Uh, markets that you would want to buy a vacation rental. So again, put your put your foot, think about, put your foot on that gas pedal, but don't put your foot on the gas pedal and drive the car by yourself. I'm going down my analogy here. Drive a bus. Drive so a bus. So, <laughs> so you got a lot of agents helping you. Don't do it alone, but do not take your foot off the gas. I promise you, most people are going to get distracted with turkey and holidays and just craziness. And this is when you can go all in and find yourself a deal in a hot market. I promise you that. And if you do, I would love to hear it. Or we'd love to hear it on our Facebook community. And please check out Avery um, Carl's, all her resources, theshorttermshop.com. She um, gives such great content. She's got agents everywhere that literally are focused on that niche, if that's an interest of yours. So that's the tip I have. And uh, do not let do it. not let down. This is when you have to kind of kind of really accelerate to, to uh, go to the end of the year with a bang. Love it. Let's all buy a bus. <laughs> you like that? Don't I drive like along. That. You know I where know. my head is, right? Let's just get an old school bus that we can do some rehab. And, Ooh, and, and that kind of has fun. some good ideas for like a TV show, maybe. But anyway. Oh my gosh. What all time good are we going to do this? Like from midnight to 6 a.m.? <laughs> exactly. I'll come pick you up at midnight. Cindy, thank you so much again for sharing your, your, your time with us in our community. And you have such an amazing background and I can't wait to dive into it here. And question we always ask all of our guests as we kick things off is what propelled you to get involved in real estate investing? My biggest motivation for real estate was the tax advantages and the fact that every millionaire made it so a very high percentage of them through real estate. And for me, being a being a landlord to do the tenants, toilets, trash, and termites wasn't something I was comfortable with. So I had to go straight into large-scale multifamily so that I could have a property management company running the show. So as soon as I heard about it, it's like, okay, that's a no-brainer. That's exactly what I was looking for because I'm very analytical. I love my numbers. And uh, I just needed someone else to do all the day-to-day -day work for me without having to self-manage it. 
I love that because a lot of people think, oh, I need to do myself first so I can mm -hmm. prove myself and then other mm -hmm. people can value me and then go from there. Mm -hmm. So it's very impactful, a sentence that I read on your bio that you mentioned going from a $8 week budget to mm -hmm. become a millionaire. Mm -hmm. And I know that a lot of things happen between that $8 and the million. But looking back, can you walk us through like your, your first deal? How were you able to accomplish your vision? So my first deal happened because I joined a mentoring program and I was able to find partners there with experience because I did not want to try things out myself when it involved other people's money. I take that very seriously. It's a huge responsibility. I know how hard I had to work to make my first, you know, $10, let alone $50,000, which tends to be the minimum on these investments. So I found the deal. It was locally listed in my area. I live in Dallas and uh, I underwrote it. I thoroughly studied the comps and I was going to be the local boots on the ground because without experience, that's the biggest thing I had to offer. And so I found partners who are out of state. And for them, I could add value by being the one who could go and execute all the things in the business plan while they were the leaders in terms of people with experience directing the business plan. So they were the initial brains and I was more the brawn, but I learned so much from every weekly call that I'm now considered a lead sponsor and sort of an expert in asset management, if you will, from that experience. But yeah. the biggest uh, tip I would give people to find their first deal is to say, how do you get experienced partners to join you is by figuring out how you can add value to them. Yeah, that's great. And and the boots on the ground, I, I want to just dive into that a bit because mm -hmm. I think we often, and I've said that numerous times as well. And I think women who are scaling, they've done small multis, they want to get into larger multis. Like what, what do you, how do you define boots on the ground? Tell us a little bit about what that, if there was a job description, I'm going to fulfill boots on the ground job description, right? Um, I'm going to be on site for anything and everything that is needed right from the beginning when we want to underwrite the deal. I'm the one visiting personally every comp property so that even in our underwriting and in our due diligence, it's thorough to begin with. It's like prevention is better than cure. So you know your problems up front mm -hmm. before you even get into the deal. And that way you really know your competition and you can figure out how this property can add value and copy some ideas from the competition, but also differentiate from the competition. So that's some of the upfront work. But let's say you have closed this deal. You have funded this deal. Now it's yours. Then every day that you want to execute your business plan, right? Your CapEx, meeting with vendors, uh, making sure the job is thoroughly done, making sure unit turns are done in a timely manner, working closer with the property management team to make sure you make those surprise visits. But also when they say, today, we're going to be doing the upgrade on this particular unit, make sure it's actually done to the level of QC that you want. It's sort of like a trust but verify model. So I go in person every time to verify till we establish an understanding with a brand new property management company or a make ready company or a vendor doing a CapEx project that this is the level of detail that I want. So you are available as boots on the ground to be in person at the property for anything. So when the lender sends their inspector, insurance agency sends their inspector, uh, the, the local city inspectors are there to give you your certificate of occupancy. 
you walk with them, you establish that local connection with them so that you are their face whenever they have questions. And they feel good knowing that an owner is present. They're not just leaving it up to the local property management company. So boots on the ground is pretty much anything and everything that's needed on a local level uh, to take care of the property. I, I love this so much. As an integrator, I appreciate all the details that, that you're mm -hmm. giving. And I think that I don't hear a lot about it, right? In social media, we see a lot about, mm -hmm. oh, we close on this or we're raising on this. There's a lot of on the acquisition mm -hmm. portion, but there's a lot of work. I think acquisition right now is just, okay, the game starts after the, if you are not able to execute the plan, I, it, and it's just not even you're you're losing your time, everybody's time, everybody's money, and all of that. So asset management, I don't think it's given it the value that that it should, and mm -hmm. we don't talk about it because for a lot of people, when they're asked or they're asked now, they're offered the opportunity to invest. We don't ask. Who is the asset management team? I think that that should be like a must-have mm -hmm. question. Mm -hmm. So looking back, what are the things that you learned during vetting the, the sponsor team that you wish you, you, you knew then, but you, you just found out throughout the years? So the biggest thing is who is the asset management team and who is the property manager? And do they both have local experience in that market? Because every market is so different. Even within counties and cities, the laws are so different. I mean, especially the last two years as we went through the eviction moratorium kind of things, you know, that level of detail, knowing which courts are more friendly, et cetera, uh, that's a very useful thing to know. So that's a question I always ask is, who is the asset manager? Have they managed this asset class of property in this particular market and location before uh, to have the knowledge to execute on this project? Give me something as similar to this current project as possible and tell me how well you did in it. Just like a lender would ask you that question. Exact same thing. You know, when you're giving them your resume and your description, you want to give this exact same kind of data to have confidence for a passive investor to want to invest with you. Because if you're a first timer trying something out, I equate it actually to brain surgery. If I need to have brain surgery, I'm really doing my homework, right? I'm getting a lot of references on the surgeon. And if you're a first time surgeon and you want to operate on me, I want to make sure that brain surgeon, the lead experienced surgeon is there right there with you, guiding you. And there's other people available to take care of things if something goes wrong at the operating table. So it's exactly the same seriousness because this involves large sums of money. I'm not just buying Girl Scout cookies from you for 10 bucks. Okay. This is $50,000 or more in investment money. So take it seriously. And asset managers, if you don't have asset management experience, partner with someone who does and learn the ropes because executing the business plan is how you make money for investors and keep them coming back. Yeah. And, you know, we, we talk a lot about like the four seats on the bus for, for mm -hmm. large multi and, you know, raising money is obviously the, the money part, uh, the business plan part, the acquisition part, right? Especially in this market, like we can't dismiss how important it is to have mm -hmm. people looking for the property, right? Underwriting it, looking for it, et cetera. And then the asset management piece comes into play, you know, boots on the ground, getting, getting, mm -hmm. you know, executing the business plan, which you said perfectly. I want to really think about that though, for a lot of, a lot of women listening right now have done deals where they are the, because they'll often say to me, 
I'm not sure what an asset manager does. And then I asked them about their current portfolio. I'm like, well, you're, you're the current asset manager for mm-hmm. those deals. You're just not mm-hmm. calling yourself that because mm-hmm. asset management's mm-hmm. you know, typically mm-hmm. associated with large multi, not so much having a four unit, but in essence, mm-hmm. you're literally asset managing that property. I'm curious to get your insight into, and maybe this is just where our, where, where Andres and I are, we're, we're talking about KPIs. We're talking about a lot of those important things and just looking at different areas of our own community. And, and if you can't measure something, it's hard to improve it, hard to change mm-hmm. it. And, and mm-hmm. so what would you say are like really important, like KPIs that an asset manager, someone listening that wants to have that role in a lar- in large multi would need to um, have as a, as, as a skill set or, or experience and also keep their eye on as they're managing the, uh, the property? Sure. Um, collections as in revenue is always important for any business. So you want to have a top line revenue number that you give your property manager as their target every month for just for collections. So then right behind that comes delinquencies. Uh, you certainly want to keep your operating expenses under control. And therefore, when you subtract your revenue from your operational expenses from revenue, that gives you your NOI, which is your net operating income, because that's how your property is valued is NOI divided by the cap rate is your property value, price of the property. So NOI is always an important target. But ultimately, after that is also all your other expenses, right? Making sure your one-time expenses are classified accordingly as below-the-line expenses and getting it down to a net cash number. Because ultimately, how much money do you have left at the end of the month from paying out all your expenses, right? That's the money that you're going to be able to do as distributions to your investors. So you want to make sure you track that as well. A lot of people stop at the NOI, and I think that going down to net cash is also equally important. But then statistically, the other ones are your occupancy, right? And then your delinquency. You want to have a plan for delinquency. So why is there a delinquency? How are you addressing it? Occupancy, you must have a certain occupancy as your target and for which you must have some incentives for your PM to meet and exceed so that um, your renewals as well as your new leases, right? Are they all being renewed or leased at pro forma? So what is that pro forma number you've all agreed upon by floor plan? And are we meeting or exceeding that? What about your other income sources? Let's say you're implementing Wi-Fi. You're implementing reserved parking, covered parking. Make sure you're tracking that to see how well those uh, new sources of other income are being received and collected. Those are some of the probably the most important KPIs, right? Revenue, expenses, NOI, net cash, occupancy, delinquency. Uh, We look at what is called an availability report that gives me 30, 60, and 90-day trends on how my leases are going. So let's say I have a renewal coming up next month, which is early December. Those renewals are going to be harder to um, fill if they don't renew. So you might want to offer a short-term lease to them, like three months, as an example, instead of 12 months, just so you can get through the hump of the holidays when it's harder to fill those units. So those are examples of things. But um, right now, I actually work on all aspects of multifamily. I haven't done just the asset management. It's just that when I raise capital from so many investors, I feel like I need to have control in the back end and not just leave it up to someone else to operate. So um, that's why asset management, I think, is where I've seen so many investors fail and therefore not provide the returns they project at the beginning. So especially through our COVID era, we saw that if you didn't focus enough on delinquencies, if you didn't turn in those applications right away for all the rental relief programs you have, 
available through your local community as well as your um, state. Like we have Texas Rent Relief. All my properties are in Dallas. So Texas Rent Relief program is important, but also your local counties may have other programs. So be sure you're aware of that so that you're tracking delinquencies, you're tracking evictions, you're providing those notices on time because a lot of tenants, when they get their money, they choose to spend it on their big screen TVs and cars instead of paying rent. And you want to keep, you know, keep emphasizing to them that paying rent is so important. But again, I'm going into a lot of details in asset management, uh, but in terms of top line, yeah, there's a few things that you definitely don't want to miss in your weekly tracking with your property management company. A hundred percent. I want to go back to what you said about the, the COVID time, right? And you want to make sure that the property is performing. That's what mm -hmm. the lender cares about. And I, I actually had a conversation with Anna Kelly this week, and we were talking about um, what does that really mean? What are the criteria that the the banks are looking for to, okay, A plus B equals performing. Mm -hmm. If that doesn't meet those qualifications in a very short period of time, uh, in, in her situation, the, the, the lender is like three months. If you're not performing during those periods, the term that she used was a lockbox. And I think mm -hmm. that might change throughout the year, but I was like, we don't talk about this a lot. Mm -hmm. So the banks, uh, the lenders are not like, oh, it's okay. It's okay. It's, mm -hmm. it's COVID is the situation. <laughs> no, nope. no. So can we talk about that? Cause I don't, I don't hear a lot. And I was like, be, it's like behind the scenes, what's really going on with all the GPs and stressful situations that sometimes it's not controllable because of COVID. But mm -hmm. let's talk about that, the challenges that you guys were facing and most important, how you overcame or how you dealt with it. I think we were very blessed in that we do so many community activities that we had a strong relationship established already with our residents. So when the tough time came back in 2020 through COVID, Many of them did come forward and tell us they have a problem. They will not be able to meet their financial obligations to us. And so we were able to get in front of that. So we set aside one day where we had extra staff on hand and our leasing manager sat outside outdoors in our courtyard and made appointments with every tenant who was going to have a struggle with making the rent payment. And she helped them fill out the form because Filling out these paperwork online is a very tedious process. A lot of people make mistakes. They just don't know how to fill these out or they don't go through the whole thing. And so our leasing manager spent a day doing just that with every resident who was behind. And because of that, our delinquency was less than $1,000 in January of 2021. So that first deal that I told you, I partnered with experienced sponsors. I was also there on that day and we had some goodie bags and things to give out to tenants just to sort of boost the morale of the, of the whole area because everyone was so down from being holed up in their homes for months because of COVID and losing jobs, et cetera. So we did a lot of resident activities. And because of that relationship with our residents, we were able to not have much of a delinquency issue at all. And actually today, which is uh, 26 months since we acquired this property, we are closing on the sale of it. 
And if I may mention this, uh, our passive investors are getting a 3.18x return Mm -hmm. in 26 months. So in other words, $100,000 is becoming $318,000 with this closing. It's just insane how well this property has done through COVID. And the reason, again, is the community activity. So at least every other month, we have an activity with tenants in our properties. So in the summer, we were going to have a barbecue grill picnic kind of thing. And because of COVID, we ended up making it boxed lunches and we served it to the residents. Uh, We have a free Thanksgiving turkey giveaway and it's for every resident. It's not just to somebody who wins from a drawing. Every resident got a free Thanksgiving frozen turkey handed to them a week before Thanksgiving so that they could um, go ahead and, you know, have the main most expensive part of their meal already taken care of. Uh, We also have an Easter egg hunt. We have a Halloween contest. Uh, We had a door decorating contest and Santa's mailbox for Christmas. So just because of being so engaged with our community, uh, they were able to come forward. They were not shy and hiding in their doors and not responding to calls. They were, in fact, like, "Okay, Shelly, I I really have a problem. I just lost my job. I need help. And they would come forward and fill out this. And so we did not have a problem in that property, uh, as well as my other second property as well. It was a very small problem. Uh, in terms yeah. of delinquency, and it was within the economic vacancy for which we had underwritten the property. So we did not have any issues with the lender for that reason. You're trying to close on your next rental, so why is your insurance company dragging its feet? With long lead times and never-ending paper forms, it's no wonder it takes forever to finally get a policy. Modern investors deserve better. They deserve Steadily.com. At Steadily.com, you'll get fast, affordable landlord insurance available online 24-7 in just a few clicks. You can even get next-day coverage, which takes just minutes, by the way, to obtain. And you can do it all from your phone. Steadily was founded by landlords who created insurance products tailored to the unique needs of this industry. It's their sole focus, and that's why landlords nationwide consistently rate them 4.8 out of 5 stars. So whether you've got a single family, short-term, or multifamily portfolio, Steadily.com can secure the best coverage at the best price to protect your properties. Discover how Steadily can save you both time and money on your rental property insurance. Visit Steadily.com for a commitment-free quote tailored to your needs today. Top real estate investors love to talk about how they save so much on taxes. But how are they able to build rental property empires while skirting Uncle Sam? 1031 Exchanges. 1031 exchanges allow you to defer capital gains taxes while you sell an investment property, exchanging your old property for a bigger, better one and avoiding the tax man while you do it. And that's where First American Exchange Company comes in. They're the leaders in 1031 exchanges. Whether you're a seasoned investor or just starting, First American Exchange can help you with simple rental property exchanges, complex commercial real estate investments, reverse exchanges, and more. Don't let your taxes eat into your profits. Visit First American Exchange Company at firstexchange.com. Or call them at 800-556-2520. That's firstexchange.com or 800-556-2520. Keep your money in your pocket and propel your portfolio further at firstexchange.com. First American Exchange Company does not provide tax or legal advice. Consult your financial, real estate, tax, or legal advisor about your circumstances. First American Exchange Company. Safe. Smart. Secure.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah. Three times in your investor's money is pretty amazing. Yeah. I'll give you a high five over, over Zoom. Um, a big high five. <laughs> Thank you. So, so yeah. Yeah. A, a couple of thoughts there. I, I, I want to just put a really um, emphasize this for especially women transitioning from small to large multi. The, the the importance of community building becomes so much more important because mm-hmm. we did scale, you know, and I remember that being, wow, how important that was even, even when you had a fourplex or a tenplex, mm-hmm. even an 18 unit, quite honestly, mm-hmm. when you're starting into larger multi, it's a whole different game. Mm-hmm. And I love the ideas you just said. You also need to know who you're serving. Mm-hmm. One of our, one of our buildings in Kentucky had an enormous amount of people playing soccer and they were playing mm-hmm. in the, um, they were playing, you know, just anywhere they could or in the parking lot. And we're like, okay, this is, this isn't good. And, and, and a couple of team members said, why don't we um, make a soccer, you know, field? Cause we had mm-hmm. like the field for it. We had the space for it and um, do an event and give some soccer balls away with the, with the logo of the building on the soccer ball. Mm-hmm. And um, they did that. And it just was like one of the, which is such a great event. So many people came out and talk about a community builder. Is that mm-hmm. going to be the right fit for every complex? No. Um, mm-hmm. You have to obviously serve the people you're, you, you know, you're, you're looking to serve and you don't, mm-hmm. you don't know that all the time. You have to kind of know your tenants. It's like you're mm-hmm. saying, get to know them and make sure your property management company's doing that. Cause you're not going to be there all the time. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was a clever thing. The other thing um, that I've seen really helpful for a lot of our complexes is a playground. So many mm. of the complexes with, you know, hundred plus units ne- don't have a playground and they yep. have so many families. Mm. It's such a simple thing, right? Mm. But it, it really goes a long way of commu- community building, do, having people do things on mm-hmm. the, the complex. So they stay yep. there and they start to enjoy being there. So mm. I just wanted to make, make mention of that a couple quick thoughts. I really want to circle back though uh, of the 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 eight dollars a week food budget because mm-hmm. thinking about that is just mm-hmm. is just wow to mm-hmm. now the amount of deals you've done as a limited partner as a general partner you know uh, three times in your investors money yep. you're doing some things great so walk us through that a little bit I know you know I just mentioned it earlier and I want I just want to make sure we get some insight from you because the journey is is where we're able to create the results, where you're able to create the results that you've created, right? It's not like yeah. the destination. So mm-hmm. if you can share a little bit more about that and and sure. I'm sure, I'm sure we need like a, a long, a long amount of time, but <laughs> let's, no, let's, I'll be let's, brief. let's go there. Yeah. As an immigrant, I came here with two suitcases and an $8 a week food budget. And I got a scholarship to attend school, which is why I was able to afford living here. And I did get a corporate job and the corporate job is what helped me, you know, pay the bills, et cetera. But as far as actually 10Xing or 20Xing my net worth and things like that, all of that happened through investing before I got into real estate. So a lot of it was from my knowledge of the stock market. So I actually played the stock market initially Mm. with options, et cetera. And then from that went on to actually buying stocks. And it's all value add play. So I look for stocks that are at, you know, uh, their 52 week lows. So I'm a bargain hunter as an immigrant. Again, I don't want to pay full price for anything. I'm going to shop after Christmas. We don't do that. Immigrants don't do that at all. (laughs) 
Yeah, we never pay full price for anything. So, you know, you always shop for it during the semi-annual clearance sale for whatever you need for the house, right? You always buy after Christmas your Christmas stuff for next year. Post-Halloween, I'm buying my Halloween decorations for next year kind of mentality. You only buy things on sale. So it's the same thing, even with properties. You know, I'd rather look for some value add that is sold a little bit below the market price, even if it means it's a little more work. And it's the same thing with buying up things, right, for our property. So I operate everything with that same tight budget kind of mentality to basically say, what do I need to do to get my performa rent concept? Like, why do I have to spend $7,000 on an interior upgrade if I could get the same thing done for about $2,000 and still get my $100, $200 rent bumps, right? So it's the same concept. But yeah, the $8 a week food budget, basically you can figure out that there's a lot of places which offer you free food and free samples and the best things in life are free. And so you just go do that or you work at cafeterias and restaurants so you get the free meals. So, you know, whatever it is that you need, you find a way to afford it. And it's the same thing with real estate, right? I had to get myself into a deal so that I could get the qualified real estate professional status. And the way to do that was to interest experienced partners because I just couldn't take other people's money without having some experience behind it. Now I feel confident. Now I'm a lead sponsor. Now I, you know, I, I'm in acquisitions. I raise capital and I asset manage. I haven't found one specialty that I want to stick with for the next five years, but it just depends on the teams, the deal and what they need. And that's how I go in there. So um, if, in terms of, again, starting from rags to riches kind of concept, I think that the mindset is the most important thing. And if you have the determination, there will always be a way and there'll always be mentors along the way who will help you get there. If you're clear about your goals and you tell them where you want to go. That's exactly where I'm going now, talking about your mindset. So when you look back, you knew exactly when you were getting into real estate, what you were bringing to the table. And I think that a lot of women we sell ourselves short or yes. we, we don't value mm. the experience, mm. the skill set, and you name mm. it, what mm. we are bringing to the table. So for the women that are listening right now and they're asking, I don't even know what I bring to the table and how can I support? What are the questions that they should ask themselves to start evaluating that and uh, walking through that journey? I would say definitely talk to a mentor person in a previous job you worked with as a colleague or the project you did, even if you've been working on PTAs, for example, right? Go see why people call you. Why are your friends calling you? What do they you know, call you for? Are you the creative type who can design something and who can make some magic out of random scratch paper lying around the house? Are you that person who's always so organized that no matter what task is given to you, you're going to quickly put it together, put a timeline, get it all done, right? So what is it that people come to you for, right? And you figure that out very quickly. And from there, go in and say, how can I apply this to my real estate world? So whether you're a good talker, people naturally, you know, you're a people magnet. People want to talk to you. It doesn't matter what you want to talk about. They're attracted to you in some way, right? Then you must be the outgoing person who develops maybe the broker relationships and raises capital, right? Those are two things where that whole social butterfly thing comes out versus you're the organized, meticulous, detail-oriented person who just gets things done. Then a lot of the underwriting details or the asset management details can come into play. So accordingly, and then of course, if you're locally based where deals are hot, right? Your Sunbelt states, et cetera, your 
Phoenix and Atlanta and Dallas, et cetera, kind of places, then you definitely want to be, in addition to anything else, a boots on the ground person to keep your eyes and ears open on the property and analyze the comps and schmooze the brokers in the area, et cetera, being local. That's a big help. So yeah, I I love that. I I love the idea because it's great to get feedback from people, but like, why do people call you? You know, like that's a, that's a great question. I never heard it phrased that way. You know, mm-hmm. why are, why do people call you? Not mm-hmm. just why do people in business call you? Mm-hmm. Why does anyone call you? Yeah. <laughs> it's a great question. And I'm like thinking about it myself, you know, I kind of go off on like, I'm actually listening and I forget, you know, we're conducting the interview. I'm like, why do people call me? You know, and you really start to say that and think that, and like, those are my strengths. Those mm-hmm. are things I can apply to this business. How do I apply mm-hmm. those things? And I think it's, it's really, um, it's the work that we need to do so we can own it and then add the value and sell ourselves, quite honestly. And I don't want to ever see anyone dismiss the whatever people call you for, because there's something in that that's needed in this business, because there's so many roles. There's this wonderful, right, about what we're, what we're doing and investing. Talk to me a little bit about how you, I'm curious just to dive into something you just said earlier too, about how you actually like a, a number of the roles. Because I've always said, focus on what, you know, a lot of the mm. things I've even recorded in content mm. is focus on one thing. Usually you're going to be great at one thing mm. um, and pretty good at other things. And then you're going to be really bad at something. That's usually mm. what I've seen. Mm. But I'm curious to understand from you a little bit, how does the team, the partners, I mean, I, I think I may know the answer, but I'm curious to get your insight. You have a few different strengths you bring to the table now mm. that you've been doing this and you've been mm. the LP, you've been the GP. So Walk me through your thinking of, okay, depending on the team, I can kind of ebb and flow and adjust. Mm-hmm. I'm curious to, I'm curious to get your insight on that. Cause it's an actually interesting perspective versus just, this is my one thing I do and I'm either doing it or I'm not doing it. So the very beginning, the one thing I could offer without experience was, Hey, I'm here as a worker bee to do anything you want to experience sponsors. But now I've learned the ropes. Now I've been part of all sides of, let's say a full deal now. That's a good so, point. Okay. That's an important piece. The second piece you'll discover is, okay, whatever said and done, money talks. So the people who can raise a lot of money usually get all the, you know, the stage presence, if you will, versus your asset manager is the person backstage doing the work. And sometimes it's okay to also want to be on the center stage, right? And so for you to have more influence and power, if you will, on a deal, ultimately money is important. So if you can also raise a few million dollars, that makes you even more of a bigger lead sponsor in the deal, right? So capital raising is one piece. Acquisitions. Well, I'm in Dallas. I like talking to people. I have no problem talking to brokers. And now that I've got a few deals under my name, most of the major brokers at least know me. So acquisitions definitely make sense. I have an engineering background and I love spreadsheets. I've always underwritten deals. So underwriting is also a strength. So Hmm. if you bring me a deal and it's in the Dallas area in about five minutes, I could tell you if I'm even interested in pursuing it just from the location. So obviously local knowledge is something I have. So if you have out-of-state investors, the biggest value I can add to them is by being the local person who knows what's going on here, knows the local markets, can do acquisitions, can talk to brokers and show up on property. So if I have California partners, let's say, they could raise a lot of money from their Silicon Valley network as an example. But if I have Dallas partners who are willing to do all this groundwork, especially if they're newer first-time sponsors and they're willing to be all this worker, be boots on the ground, CapEx execution, but they're not as confident 
talking to investors to raise capital, then I'll say, okay, I'll do that. And I'll kind of oversee what you guys do in CapEx, et cetera, and add my you know, leadership now and my experience to it. But I'll be the capital raiser because I know my market. I know this deal. I've underwritten it. So I can do more of that instead, mm. right? Or I could be involved in even broker relationships to win the deal because, hey, this broker just awarded me this deal and I'm now selling it back through him. He's going to award me the next deal. So then I can be the name that goes on the LOI to win the deal as well. So you you have to get your foot in the door somewhere, right? Just like with the corporate job, you get your foot in the door with that company, with that whatever that big company is. But then afterwards, you can evolve and you can change your roles. I mean, a lot of us tend to be moms. So of course, we play, we wear multiple hats. So it's not like we're confined to one thing, but you just start with one thing to get your foot in the door. And then as you learn other things and you evolve and you figure out, hey, there's other things I enjoy doing as well. And now I feel more confident about it. Now I feel more confident talking to investors about the deal, for example, right? So just things like that, that we yeah, could- I really, um, I really love yeah, that, branch that you, first of all, you, you, you know who you are, absolutely, mm-hmm. and you own it. Mm-hmm. You you own your different skills, your different gifts. Some of them are gifts. Some of them are strengths. Some of them are skill sets that you learn throughout. What I was going to ask you is, was were you always like that? Or it was a journey that you had to, to travel in order to currently uh, feel very comfortable owning all of who you are? I think you figure out your strengths as you go along. Like I've always been a people person, but I had to start somewhere in my real estate journey with zero experience. Like I hadn't even done a single family flip or rental before I got into multifamily. So the confidence booster came from knowledge for me, knowledge and then slowly the experience. So starting out with zero experience, um, I had to go and rely on the experience of my partners. But once you learn and you go through it, you're like, oh, these are not rocket science type of questions that are being discussed here. I actually understand this. This isn't as hard as I thought it would be. This plan actually works. And so once you see go through that for, you know, a couple of years and like five, six deals, now I'm in my third year of multifamily. It's like, oh, this, this is not hard at all. This is even easier than some of the other things I have done in my previous life. So that's where the confidence came for me. So the realization that, yes, you evolve, you can do more as you go along. You're not stuck in one place. You just need a strong place to start to add value. And from there, you can learn new things. You can evolve. Look at our presidents, right? There are like senior citizens are running this country. So I don't know how old any of you are, but I tell you what, you got several decades left. So imagine you're like 18 and looking at the next 20 years of your career. It's the same thing, no matter what your age is today. And I bet most of you have a lifespan of, you know, 70s and 80s and beyond. So, you know, you got two more decades to learn whatever it is you want to learn. So wherever you are, don't say that that's the only place for you to stay. You can move. You can do a lot more. Yeah, I think that's I think that's great advice. And confidence is interesting, right? Because we can get into that of like what's taught, what's learned, what gets developed, how are people, you know, what are they just born with, and then it gets cultivated, right? That's a whole other another episode for another another day. But in three years, doing what you've done and accomplishing what you've accomplished, I don't know if every other if every woman would have the same way of being as you're having, or you've just Mm -hmm. kind of commented. And what I mean by that is 
your, your, your confidence in yourself, right? And your confidence in knowing that you're going to get the answers. Okay, once I get this knowledge or once I get this, this is not that hard. Like the things you just said, I think that's very inspiring because, you know, it's not like, well, when I'm doing this for 10 years, you know, I'll feel that. Like you were feeling that way and, and growing there or just kind of, I don't want to say growing there, but building your confidence quickly in, in a few years. And I, I think that's just awesome. And I, I want, I just hope, I want to see more women doing that, owning it and being like, yep, once I get this knowledge, yeah, I could probably do it better than this person. Yep. Their brokers are calling me now. Yep. And, and, yep. and just kind of like, yep. That level of not, and not, it's not, it's, it's not even confidence, like making it to like selling yourself, like in a way that you're selling yourself or saying something that's not true because you are, you're, you're doing it as you go and you're Mm -hmm. building that confidence, I guess is what I'm trying to say versus someone saying, I'm a a billionaire. And then they wake up every day. I'm a billionaire. No, you're not. Mm -hmm. I'm not a billionaire. Like I don't don't want to say that to myself. Right. (laughs) So you're clearly, you know, I think your mindset and your way of being really, really contributed hugely, but I think you had a lot of that too, as you probably have um, developed yourself over the years. So just neat. It's really inspiring. And I think that's something Thank we can you. take from that. You had said too, I, I wanted to speak to this too, um, before we wrap up, you had shared a couple of your strategies when we, when we uh, sent you some questions ahead of time. And I really just want to speak to this because so much of this business is challenges, barriers, mm-hmm. things we don't mm-hmm. expect, right? Obstacles. We can make the long list. People stealing money from you, the mm-hmm. lo- long list, not you, but me probably. Mm-hmm. So you talk about a process of when you list out your barriers mm-hmm. and how to move through those barriers. So walk us through that. What what you do? Because it sounds like you have like a process for this or a strategy. And um, yeah. I don't think enough people have strategies for their challenges. So I'd love to hear a little more about that. I'm very blunt with myself and with other people. So whatever it is that I fear or I lack, let's say I have a deal and some broker sends me a deal for $50 million. What's the first thing I'm going to do? Okay, in every possible way, this deal meets my criteria, but how am I going to raise this money? So the big question is, where am I going to get, you know, 15 to $20 million that I'm going to have to, you know, raise for this deal? I can probably raise two or $3 million. Where's the rest going to come, right? So write out your challenge. Okay, I need another $15 million. This is my gap. How am I going to address that gap? Who are people I know who can raise that money? Would they be interested in this deal? That's the next. So you problem solve by listing whatever that fear or problems. Well, I'm so frightened that my, I don't know, property is going to catch fire. Okay, so what do I do about that? Well, I have these three friends who have been through a property with fires, so I know I can call on them. Let me talk to my insurance agent now. What are the first five steps I do if my property catches fire? Same with my property management company. The most important thing is to ensure the safety of your tenants because everything else is material and can be replaced, right? So you just walk yourself through whatever is your fear or whatever is your gap. Like for me to do a $15 million deal, well, I have a gap of $15 million to raise. But otherwise, running the property is about the same. It's not that much drastically different from the $20 million properties that I run now. So my biggest gap is I need to find money. Okay, who are my capital raisers who can bring that money? And that's how you problem solve. So be blunt with yourself. Be open about every fear or problem. Make a list however you want to do it and say, who can help me solve it? Not how do I solve it all by myself? I probably know someone who solved it. I can. I know who to call who can help me through this. And that's how you fall. Because this is multifamily is a team sport. You are not an individual sport like in single family. So get team members, find mentors, find friends, find colleagues. I bet somebody you know has gone through it already. 
and has figured out what doesn't work and what does. Yeah, I love that. And it it's really comes back to mentorship and support and just going to the right sources. And I think that's yeah. something that Andres and I so firmly believe in and what we've been yeah. creating with our community and our, our yeah. Strive membership and just who can you go to? Who can you yeah. talk to? Yeah. Um, who's been there? Who's done that? And who yeah. knows someone who's been there and done that? Yeah, <laughs> you know, pretty and I much. Think that's a great, great insight. Not all fears. It's just sometimes a gap. I really mm-hmm. like that too. It's a great, great insight. Cynthia, this has been this has been an amazing interview. Where can the ladies listening learn more about you and connect with you further? My website is the best place to find me. It's multifamilyforyou.com, where it's multifamily number four Y O U spelled out.com. And they can provide their name, email address, and a message. And that's an easy way to find me. I'm also on LinkedIn and Facebook, and I'm in a lot of Facebook groups as well. So I welcome all questions and I can help you get through a barrier or I sure know someone who does. That's awesome. And all this information you guys can find on our show notes. Now we're going to transition to our fabulous three questions. And the first one is, what's the most transformational book you ever read? The Atomic Habits, which is a reinforcement of something I know. Basically make small incremental improvements in your life on a daily basis. And it will amount to a huge impact in six months and 12 months. So do not underestimate the power of small positive changes. Yeah, we read that on our mastermind. And I love when he links one habit to the other. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like, okay, it's not about you you going for a walk, but focus on putting your, your shoes on. Mm-hmm. I yep. love that. That book is one of my favorite as well. The second question is, what's the most powerful routine that you do to live a financially free and balanced life, whatever balance means to you? I get organized. So whether it's for the week, for the month, for the day, every morning I quickly run through in my head as I'm getting ready and make a short list of, I must not forget to do these three things today, no matter what fires get thrown at me. And so time block really helps with that. Liz, don't you feel Sandia is my sister from another mother? (laughs) (laughs) The last question is, which woman, famous or not, has inspired you the most? Actually, it's my mom. She was, uh, you know, growing up in India. She was uh, in the medical profession. So she would leave first thing in the morning. And that kind of helped me learn how to run a household because she would have to leave super early and she was an OB to go and make deliveries of babies and stuff on call. So I know that I would have to jump in and sort of take over sort of running the household or making dinner or whatever else had to be done at at a small age. So um, she inspires me tremendously because she does it all. She doesn't try to say, because I do this, I cannot do this. And it's okay not to be perfect in everything. It's okay to be slightly imperfect and try to do your best wherever, whatever you do. And that inspires me. Love that. Cindy, thank you so much for being on our show. Thank you for sharing all your great wisdom and your journey uh, with us and our community. So we appreciate you so much. Thank you so very much. It's been an honor and great pleasure getting to know both of you through this interview. Thank you. Thank you so much. If you enjoyed this podcast and want to receive updates on our next interviews, go to our website, therealestateinvestor.com. There, you can subscribe to our show, become part of our investor community, and get updates on upcoming episodes. If you like our show, please share it with other women who would benefit. And don't forget to leave us a rating on iTunes. We'd really appreciate it. And as always, we encourage you to take one action 
as a result of today's show and put it into motion so you can live both a financially free and balanced life. Thanks for spending time with us. Ciao.